This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. Praise the Lord. God is just so good. Now, if you see the title of tonight's Solid Talk family, it says, Open Season for Black People and the Word They Don't Want You to Learn. Specifically, they don't want black people to learn. But I believe this word really can apply to all groups of people. So I want to talk about some things and i got started on this last week a few of y'all might have been on to see what i was really saying but this is how i want to say it this week 2020 has been one of the most racially charged years in recent history we know america's history overall as it relates to race relations and things like that we don't even have to go into all of the details of these things but there's been something especially significant about 2020 specifically involving police shootings where we have these outcomes where black men are being shot or and or killed by the police some of them are shot and not dying most of them are being shot and killed by the police and what's happening is is causing a division It's causing not not just a division it's causing a complete complete opposite of the spectrum division between people where you have one set of people that basically look at the situation and they look at the facts and the evidence and they look at uh, sometimes the background of the person they look at the circumstances and a lot of times, depending on those facts and those circumstances, they make uh, hopefully an objective perspective or an objective opinion about whether that shooting was justified or not. And they might conclude that it was justified. Then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, you might have a group of people that feels like regardless of, of, of what happened, they're just upset that. Every time they turn on the news, they see that another black man or black woman has gotten killed by the police. And so they view it as injustice. They view it as um, a, a product of systematic racism or they or and I should say and they just view it as the reason why that person got shot was simply because of race racism. Okay. Now, I'm the type of person, I'm going to tell you straight up, I look at stuff objectively. I look at stuff, I'm not really too, now I do factor in, I do factor in all things as as best as I can possibly do, but for the most part, I just look at stuff objectively. I'm not worried about what color somebody is and all of this stuff. So when I look at these things, I like to think of it like, okay, if I take race out of this equation, how would I feel about it? Would I feel the same or would I feel differently? So I think the most recent high profile shooting that we had in this country was of a guy named Walter Wallace Jr. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Basically what happened was 911 was called because of a domestic situation. This guy was carrying a knife and he was having some sort of episode. Police show up on the scene. The guy has a knife. They tell him several times, put the gun down. 
He does not put the gun down. He is actually pursuing the police. He's not running, but he's pursuing the police. They're literally evading him like around the car and literally back trailing. He still is coming toward them. And finally they shoot him and kill him in the street. And a result of this was just tons of people in Philadelphia just be just started rioting and looting, right? They considered this injustice. Now, from my perspective, even taking race out of the equation, I'm looking at it and I'm just saying anybody should know. Now, I know there's all sorts of anecdotal examples that we can give of how things played out one one way or another. But generally speaking, people should know that you should not be approaching the police with a deadly weapon, specifically while they have guns drawn out and specifically when they've asked you several times to put the gun down. To me, it doesn't make any sense to continue to do that when they obviously, especially you being a black man in America, if America is supposed to be so, if the police are supposed to be so racist, you know what I mean? Why would you even put yourself in that situation? So I wanted to make sure I was perceiving this situation the right way. I had a really good conversation with a brother and I began to pray to the Lord, Lord, am I, am I not seeing this the right way? Am I putting in some sort of personal bias? Am I not down with the cause because, you know, I'm a black man and another black man got shot by a white police officer. Like, am I seeing this clearly or is there something that I'm missing? Because what the conversation I had with the brother said was that you can't take race out of the equation. So when he says you can't take race out of the equation, what he's really, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to some Bible stuff. Just let me talk tonight. When he says that you can't take race out of the equation, what he's really saying is that systematically there are things that have happened in this country that have caused black people and white people to relate to each other in a certain type of way. Or he's saying that because this country is systematically racist, you cannot remove race when it relates to a situation like that. Now, to me, it doesn't matter what someone's color is. You can be black, white, Asian, Indian. You can be a Martian. But I don't think that that makes an excuse for your character. But I begin to put all of those things aside and just begin to kind of seek the Lord. Like, what what should be the, the response in this situation? from a Christian perspective, how, how should I be viewing this? Am I lacking love and compassion in this area? Is there just something I'm missing? So as I did that, and I really began to think about, okay, these people are rioting and they're looting and they're doing, they're upset. Regardless of whether it makes sense or not, somebody is upset. Why are they upset? And when I began to think about why they're upset, the Lord spoke the word to me, demoralization demoralization what he really what i really heard was that people have been demoralized so when we think about a people being demoralized what you think about is hopelessness you think about when i think about the word demoralized the first thing that comes to mind is this idea of hopelessness there's a lot of people in the black community who are in socioeconomical conditions to where they feel like their situation is hopeless now, do I believe their situation is hopeless? Personally, I don't. Why is that? Because, first of all, I don't believe in hopelessness, period, but we'll get into that in a second. But mainly, though, even on a carnal level, 
by the by 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 the grace of God and by the efforts of many people, black people have been able to excel in many areas in this country. There are black lawyers, there are black doctors, uh, there are black athletes, there are black entertainers, there are black politicians, right? So black people are successful if they apply themselves, just like Indian people, just like Asian people, uh, just like any other people group, uh, Africans that actually come over here from Africa tend to excel also. So to me, it, there's not just this automatic hopelessness that just looms over every black person. But when I thought about the word demoralize even further, what actually happened was I began to break down the word. The Lord broke down the word for me. And I looked at it literally as D as in to take away, right? If you defund the police, that means you take away the funding of the police. So you literally have D and then a root word and moralize is moral. So there's literally a taking away of someone's morals. And if we look up the definition of demoralize, what you're going to find is there's two definitions of demoralization. Now, I want the one that I found on Google. Give me a second to find this one. But when you look up demoralize, the first definition is kind of the one we all think about, which is to call. It's a verb and it means to cause someone to lose confidence or hope, dispirit. But then there's an archaic definition and this is the, the breakdown of the word. It means to corrupt the morals of someone. To corrupt the morals of someone. So when you talk about the demoralization of a people group, or as we're talking about tonight, black people, there's something that has been done to corrupt the morals of them. And as I begin to think more and more about this and, and just really begin to seek the Lord about it, the Lord revealed a word to me that I thought was a brand new word, right? I thought that this word was something that the Lord had given me that was fresh, but it turns out that this word that the Lord gave me is a word that actually does exist, but it's, it's more so existing in British culture, right? Uh, well, not culture, but like it's more so like a British word, but it is in our dic in, in our dictionary. And that word is remoralization, remoralization. So just as you can demoralize somebody. In the same manner, oi people, in the same manner, you can re-moralize a person. And what it means to re-moralize somebody is it means uh, remoralization is the act of instilling with morals again. I need somebody to listen to me because this is the word that the Lord has for black people. This is the word that they don't want you to learn, whoever they are. Whether you think they are systematic racism or whether you think like I tend to think that they are spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, this word for black people and really for every people group is remoralization, which is the act of instilling with morals again, the act of making moral again, because there was a time in this country where black people had much better values than they have today. Now, let me say this before I even continue. I'm making a lot of generalized statements. So when I say black people, obviously I don't mean all black people. What I'm speaking about is 
a particular group that feels marginalized, that feels oppressed, uh, that has been subject to the that 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 has been a product of uh, what things that may have happened in this country. So whether you feel like it's just a matter of systematic racism or whether you feel like it's a matter of people not taking personal accountability and just working for the things that that they have for them either way the fact of the matter is that there has to be a remoralization effort because this is what i was getting to there was a time where um black people were more family oriented than what they are today so what do i mean by that what i mean by that is this there was a time where there was more of a family structure Today, it's been said, I don't know if this statistic is up to date or not, but it's been said that over 70% of black kids grow up in homes where there's no fathers in the home, right? So if you really think about that, there's an absence of fathers that did not exist maybe like 60 years ago. And that sounds like a long time, but really that's like the 1960s. There, there wasn't this epidemic of the lack of fathers, so the question becomes, what happened between now and then? What happened between now and then? So really, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Uh, one of the things that happened was the influx of social services and governmental assistance. Because if a woman was to get on these social services, they could not have a man living in a house with them. So what that meant was people black people had a decision to make right i can try to build a family uh, a nuclear family with a husband and a wife and we'll produce a child and just um work our way up or what i can do is i can produce a child outside of wedlock and then i can depend on governmental assistance to come in at the expense of me having that father in the home so that's one of the major things that happened Needless to say, there's a lot of other things that happen because like I put in the blog right into this was not posted yet. There's no coca leaves or cocaine that grows in these neighborhoods. Last time I walked down a D.C. street, I've never seen a cocaine plant or a coca leaf or, or whatever it's called. I've never seen one growing in the neighborhoods. I've never seen those plants. I've never seen those trees. Last time I checked, the guns are not manufactured in these neighborhoods. So what's happening is there were thing there are things that are systematically put in place, right, to where it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe that if I put guns, drugs, poverty in these neighborhoods and I, I mix them all up and I take away fathers, right, then needless to say, we're going to produce a demoralized people. We can demoralize them through these efforts now. That being said, is that an excuse for people to act in an immoral way? No, it's not. Is that an excuse for someone to have this perpetual victimhood that, you know, the guy can literally have like a, a whole rap sheet of offenses, literally rap about killing the police and then charge the police, charge with the police, charge at the police with a knife? And then get shot. and But then people literally will call him an innocent victim. Is that an excuse for that? No, it's not. Because the fact of the matter is this. And this, this is a hard teaching. 
for some. It's really not that hard. It's re it really should be common sense. But the fact of the matter is there is no one tangibly oppressing anybody in this country. There's no tangible oppression in this country. There's no one that's preventing you from going to the library. The library is free in most cities. There's no one that's preventing you from doing your homework. There's no one that's preventing you from applying yourself. There's no one that's preventing you from going on YouTube and literally learning any skill in the world practically on YouTube for free. Okay. There's no one that's tangibly doing these things. But what's happening is the black experience for some blacks in this country is on, on a mode that I like to call set it and forget it. Uh, somebody might be old enough to remember. I can't remember. I think it was a cooking thing or something like that. And maybe it was an oven of some sort. And all you had to do was just put your thing in the oven and you would set it and forget it. Meaning that you already, the, the machine has already done the work. All you do is press the button and then you just go about the rest of your day. So what's happened is through all of those factors that I mentioned, uh, black people have been on set it and forget it mode, meaning that no one, no one is standing in your bedroom when you wake up in the morning with a knife to your throat saying, you better not learn nothing today. You better not apply yourself. You know what I mean? No one is doing that actively. There's, there's no barriers that are preventing anybody from starting a business, right? There's no barriers that are preventing anybody from networking with people. There's no barriers that are preventing anybody from volunteering and doing something constructive in your community and maybe building relationships in that regard. There's, there's no boogeyman that's just stopping you from doing this. But that being said, if you are foolish enough to take the bait of the recipe that's been put out there for you, which is the uh, removing of the fathers, which is the drugs, which is the guns and the violence, which is whatever else we see going on in these communities, the poverty and all of that. If, if, if you take the bait, okay, if you take the bait, then yes, you will fall victim to set it and forget it. But what black people need to understand is it's up to you not to take the bait. I, I'm not saying it's easy not to take the bait, but what I'm saying is it's up to you not to take the bait. The most foolish thing that any oppressed person can do is go to their oppressor for liberation. And what's happened is there's been like a training of, of, of uh, there's been a mindset that has convinced people that if you go to the very person that you say is oppressing you for liberation, they're just going to grant it to you. And that's foolish. It's foolish to think that the same person that supposedly has their foot on your neck is the same person that's going to take their foot off of your neck. So what is the solution to this problem? What is the solution to this problem? I want to go real quick to Daniel chapter eight. And what we're going to find is, I'm oh, sorry, my, my bad, Daniel chapter one, verse eight. And what we're going to find is there, we're going to have Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, and they are in Babylonian captivity. They are oppressed. They are actually oppressed. They're actually in captivity. Uh, they are a minority. Okay. They are subject to the king and his dictates. But I want us to look at something very closely. 
I'm in Daniel chapter one, verse eight. Now, just to give you some really quick background, what's happening is these these boys, they're really young, like maybe even teenager, if I'm not mistaken. Very young men. Let's put it that way. And they're they're under they're they're they are for the king's bidding. And the king is looking for young men to groom and to train up to be able to basically do things for him to benefit him. And because of this, they have been offered the king's food. While they're in this captivity, they've been offered the king's food. So in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, look at what it says about Daniel. As a matter of fact, yeah, we can start at verse 8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. That's the king's food. I'm going to read that again. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So we know that Daniel ended up basically just eating water and pulse. But it notice that it said Daniel purposed in his heart. But the other word I want you to notice is that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Now, I don't know much about the king, but I know the king is rich. And I know that if the king is actually trying to build these young men up for certain purposes, right? He's giving them the king's food. He's giving them some type of food. But regardless of whether the food was immaculate or whether the food, however the food was, Daniel saw the food as defiling. What that tells me is that Daniel did not have any real regard for the king. He did not put the king on a pedestal, even though the king was the dominant society, even though the king allegedly had all of the power in that land, even though the king was someone who, um, you know, probably whatever he had is something that Daniel wanted to have. Okay, if that's what the king's eating, I want to eat that too. Daniel didn't have that mentality. He wasn't looking at the king as his standard. Daniel dealt directly with God. Daniel said, you know what? I know that the king is in control. I know that the king has power. But the fact of the matter is, I don't I don't even see the king as greater than me. And I don't see myself as greater than the king, right? Uh, well, maybe he did a little bit because he said he didn't want to defile himself with the king's food. But because of Daniel's and, and the three Hebrew boys, because of their connection with God, they were not caught up in what the king was doing. I'm not worried about the king. I'm worried about the king of kings. I'm not worried about what, you know, what 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 this guy can offer me and all of this stuff. I'm not even worried about if 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 eating his food i'd rather i'd rather this is what somebody needs to get i would rather have less food but have my integrity than have more food and defile myself and when because we're talking about black people so i'm just going to say it real tonight this is solid talk speaking out loud in depth when we look to another people group as quote the dominant society or we look at them as the standard or we try to wear our hair there that that way or we see them as the standard of beauty or we see them as as just a gold standard of everything that's the equivalent of eating the king's food 
even the government is like eating the king's food. When you choose to, instead of having a nuclear family, you choose to take advantage of what the government is offering you instead of just doing it God's way. That's the equivalent of eating the king's food. It's easy to eat the king's food. The king's food might look good because that's what the king is eating. But just because the king's food looks good doesn't mean that it's good for you. It might be good for the king, but it might not be good for you. You know, taking advantage of um, the easy money, the drugs, the, the, the fast money, that is the equivalent of eating the king's food. But when you choose to have your integrity, meaning, listen, I might be starting from scratch. I might have to work for this. I might, you know what I mean? It, it might, I might have to be a square and do a nine to five. I might have to work my way up the ladder. I know maybe my, my uh, mother or grandmother or whoever, they didn't have much and maybe I'm the first one to do it, but that's just it. I'm just the first one to do it. You know, one of the guys I've been watching lately is a guy named Dave Ramsey. They did a study on millionaires and I forget the exact percentage, but it was somewhere like 80, or 80 to 90% of millionaires are first generation millionaires. So we have this perception that in order for me to become a millionaire, well, let me back, back up. We have this perception that so many people that are millionaires only got that because they basically got a head start. They came from money already. Their parents or family were millionaires as well. But based on the study that these guys did, I think it was in this dude named Chris Hogan's book, who works with Dave Ramsey, and he's a black guy. And based on the study that he did, what he found is somewhere like, I think it was 88 or, I don't want to say the wrong percentage, but you can look it up. They're first generation millionaires in America. So not even that it's about the money, but my point is that everybody has a different background. Everybody has a different starting place. But that's no excuse for you to just not apply yourself. Now, what has to happen is there has to be a personal effort that's put forth to be able to personally make the decision that I'm going to make the most out of my situation. If I got lemons, I'm going to make lemonade. And a lot of times that looks impossible. But all that means to me is that you just you just better have the best prayer life of everybody that you know, because last time I checked, the Bible said with Man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. I've seen testimonies of people that grew up in the hood and they uh, made it, you know, God called them out of the world and they made a decision to serve the Lord and the Lord has blessed them and he has excelled them. Just like Daniel being in this captivity, when he chose not to eat the king's food, the result was that the Lord supernaturally blessed him with a talent that the king could not refuse because the king had a dream. And in that dream, not only did he not know the interpretation of the dream, he actually forgot the dream. He just knew that he had it, but he couldn't remember the details. And he said, if anybody Actually, what he said was, nobody can tell me the details of this dream, so I'm going to kill all of y'all. The soothsayers, the, the, the sorcerers, the whatever. I'm going to kill all of y'all. But Daniel said, wait a minute. Let me pray about it. And when he prayed about it, God told him the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And Daniel, who was a minority and who was in captivity and whose people was oppressed because of the supernatural promotion that God gave Daniel. 
he ended up being the second in command over that entire region. And because of, you know, his connections, he got the three Hebrew boys prominent positions as well. So my point is that we cannot look to any other people or any other uh, standard other than or, or try to have any type of validation or approval other than the validation or approval of God. When I go about my daily life, I can care less what uh, an Asian man is doing, an Indian man is doing, a white man is doing. And that doesn't mean I dislike them or like them. It just means that I'm living my life on the vertical, connected to God, and I have faith that God will make a way. And that's what remoralization is, is getting back to what God says about how we should live. There is a perception about reparations. Now, I don't really have a I don't really have a final opinion about how I feel about reparations or not. But but this is what I want to talk about. The perception is that reparations is going to fix all of black people's problems. Now, reparations will help. Yeah, a money, a little bit of extra money is always good. Ain't nobody going to turn down a little bit of extra money. But this is not a this is not only a socioeconomical issue. Because the fact of the matter is if you give somebody money and they have no values that's not going to change anything case in point all of these rappers that you see getting shot pretty much every week now uh half these guys i don't know boosie got shot recently in the leg some dude named mo3 got shot and killed king von got shot and killed some other rapper who i hear was a dentist or something he got shot and killed because he's a, he's a dentist but he's still rapping about the typical stuff that rappers rap about. So go figure, right? <laughs> My point is that you can have resources, but if you still have the same mentality and if you still glorify the same negativity and if you still speak the same foolishness that you spoke before you had the money, you can still end up with the same outcome. There's no reason why these rappers who have this money should be uh a still glorifying the lifestyle but also why they should be getting shot and killed like this but the fact of the matter is just like we learned in last thursday's bible study death and life is in the power of the tongue so if so much of what you speak about is uh death then death is what's going to be coming in your direction they don't like to be low-key because being low-key they they view that as being a coward they view that as turning state or they view it as they they basically view it as weak if you if you come up on a little bit of money but you move out the hood you know if this jewelry costs as much as these rappers say this jewelry costs that's enough to move a whole bunch of people out of the hood it ain't even gotta just be you okay you they wear these chains these chains got these diamonds i don't know how much this jewelry costs they say the jewelry costs ninety thousand a hundred thousand dollars that's enough to move a whole family that's enough for more than a down payment on a really nice home so a lot of folks be like oh i don't want to leave my people da, 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 da. you can take some of those people with you and then you can show them the way right you can show them a better way but to my point about reparations there's this idea that the only reason that people act this way is because they don't have money and it's almost this sort of worshiping of money to say money will solve all my problems uh, money is the thing that's going to get me out of this situation. So I want to read you this article that I came across today. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to just touch on the, the main points. 
It says BLM, Black Lives Matter, pressures Democrats to embrace bill described as, quote, roadmap for prison abolition. So it says Black Lives Matter activists are pressuring Democrats to embrace the Breathe Act, which includes a section requiring a, quote, roadmap for prison abolition. The Breathe Act is a legislative matter. Of fact, let me let me let me. Let me go down. No matter if I'm going to read this. The Breathe Act is a legislative love letter to black people. BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors wrote in an op-ed for Teen Vogue on Thursday. Democratic reps Rashida Tlaib of Michigan and Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts announced the act in July, but it has not been brought before Congress. Cullors, who has written a letter to President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris requesting a meeting told The Hollywood Reporter she's requesting that the new administration work to pass the Breathe Act within the first 100 days. Now, here's the summary of the Breathe Act. It says a summary of the act calls for. Listen to this now. It calls for the Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services to create a plan that, quote, provides for full decarceration of federal detention facilities within 10 years. And, quote, enacts a moratorium on all new federal prison, jail, immigrant and youth detention construction. It says we need to radically reimagine our concept of justice and safety. For too long, we have addressed harm with reciprocal harm. Colors wrote in her op ed. So just to put all of this in layman's terms, what's happening is BLM wants to do away with all prisons and detention centers and stuff like that over the next 10 years. And then they also don't want any new prisons being built. And I guess to, I guess to supplement that their purpose is they want to take resources and instead just build people, I guess, build these communities up. I guess ideally what they're envisioning is if we devote more resources to uh, dealing with these socioeconomical issues, then we don't have a need for prisons. Okay. <laughs> My question is with what Christ are you going to come up with these legions of mother Teresa's that are just going to permeate this nation to where you feel like there's no need for jail at all. What this is, is a gross misunderstanding about human nature. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care if you if you take away jails. Right. All that's going to do is just make people commit more crime because now they know I can commit a crime and not go to jail. That's the reason why we have the law to to curve the sinful nature of man, believers and non-believers. Right. I know for I I can tell you right now. I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but if there was just no police, I probably would have caught a body by now. Now, this is not save Greg talking. This is unsaved Greg talking. But that's just because of and that's me. Right. I'm I'm the I'm the square dude. I'm the I'm the smart. I'm the nerdy. I'm the I'm the nine to five guy. OK, I'm pretty sure because one person in particular, maybe I need to need some more prayer. <laughs> I don't feel this way about him now, I don't think, but I know there was a point in time where with that, and that was before Christ, right? 
and maybe some other stuff illegal. I would even, you know, uh, the, the, the concept of jail, even after Christ may have prevented me from doing stuff. I don't know. But my point is there's this weird misunderstanding about human nature that this organization appears to have where they're, they're envisioning something that's totally unrealistic, like just ridiculously unrealistic. So all of this is kind of grounded upon this, this, this hope in money that if we just take the money and put it into the neighborhoods instead of taking it and, you know, putting it into jails, maybe then, or, or, or even, even having justice period, because let me read a quote. She said, she said, we need to radically reimagine, and yes, this is an imagination. We need to radically reimagine our concept of justice and safety. For too long, we have addressed harm with reciprocal harm, which what she's talking about is justice. People have an issue with God because they don't understand justice. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And God designed it that way because he wants us to turn to him. So there's not going to be any type of amount of money. And once again, I'm not saying I'm for or against reparation. I'm not saying it wouldn't help. But what I'm saying is that money is not going to solve this issue because it's, it's not only a financial issue. It's primarily a heart issue. It's primarily a sinful condition issue, right? The issue here is um, turning away from God. Now, you might say, well, you know. It's a church on every corner in the black community. Okay, yeah, maybe it is. But be real. How many of those churches are real and how many of them are just playing church? You know what I mean? It, it, you can run, you can shout, you can dance. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But where's the fruit? All that's nice, but where's the fruit? Where's the fruit, right? You can't lead the nation in homicides, okay? 13% of the nation, and really mostly it's black men, so you really almost look at it like 7% of the population. Then it's not even all black men that are doing the homicides. So really it's, it's, it's almost like 3 or 2%. I, I can't even tell you how many black men. It's almost like maybe 1% or 2% of the nation. I mean, uh, of the, um yeah, of the nation Lee is responsible for like 50% of the homicides. That's a sin issue. Socioeconomics plays a role. But remoralization is the real solution because when you get remoralization, you get that through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the solution for everything, everything. Now, people don't like, especially non-believers and even some Christians, they don't like when you say Jesus Christ is the solution for everything, because when they hear that, what they're thinking is that, OK, I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to run around in shirts and say, Lord Jesus you know, quote unquote, catch the Holy Ghost. And now, now my life issue is supposed to be solved. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that surrendering your life to Christ and following his teachings, becoming a disciple of Christ, a disciplined one automatically cures everything. You can't lead in diabetes and, and hypertension if you've been called to a life of moderation and fasting. You can't lead in homicides if you if you have been uh, taught to turn the other cheek. You can't lead in abortions if you've been taught that fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God and you're actually living it. I know that every race does everything. Every race has issues, but there's a disproportionate issue. And until there's an actual acknowledgement of the issue, 
you can't address it until we acknowledge it. And the Lord is saying that remoralization, getting back to the father, getting back to the father through Jesus Christ, that is the actual solution because you can't be lazy and be in Christ. Even though I do it sometimes, my point is that the Bible talks about the slothful. It talks about um, work ethic. So when I say Jesus is the solution for everything, what I'm really saying is that the Bible teaches holistic living. If you actually read it, it teaches holistic living through through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost because you can't do it on your own. And personal accountability has been man's issue from the very beginning. Let me read this real quick. Then I'm going to open up the lines. Genesis chapter three. Now, let me say this because some folks joined in now. I'm not saying that there haven't been things that have been done to black people. That's not that's not what I'm saying. A lot of the black experiences like this, let's say you were in a classroom and let's say the class was like a hundred days and let's say a kid is sitting in the classroom. Let's just say he's a black kid. And then for like the first 75 days, somebody just comes and smacks you on the back of the head. Now you might've been normal when, you know, the first day when they smack you on the back of the head, but if they smack you on the back of the head for 75 days straight, okay. On the 76th day, by that time, you're probably a maniac. So a lot of the, the black experience in this country is kind of like being smacked on the head for like 75 days. And now maybe for like the last 25 days, we say, okay, we're not going to, you know, the, 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 the people who were smacking you say, okay, we're not going to smack you on the head no more. So what's happening is some folks are, are acting like a maniac uh, because of the smacking, but we're not being smacked anymore. So I'm not making excuse for the fact that uh, you've been smacked for 75 days. I'm not, I, what I'm saying is that I understand the conditions that have happened to bring people to these type of situations and these type of mindsets and this type of moral bankruptcy that we see where we glorify killers and killing and drugs and strippers and video vixens and dope boys and all of this stuff. All of that's, all of that is fashionable. Now, here's the thing about it. Are black people the only people that find that fashionable? Absolutely not. Because just like the black person will look at the rapper and he's a gangster and they idolize him, you know, a white guy might look at Don Corleone, uh, the Goodfellas, or the Godfather, and they, they, they are entertained by that because it's entertaining. But what's the difference? The difference is once that white guy cuts the TV off or whatever, if he had a father... And if he saw that father go to work, he kind of knows, okay, that's fiction. That's not who I am. That was fun to watch the guns, the violence, the shooting and all of that. But that's not really me. They even, they listen to rap just as much as, as black people listen to rap. But oftentimes, not always, most of the time they're raised in such a way where they're like, that's not you cut it out. You know what I mean? Okay. That's cute. That's cute if you want to do that when you're like 16 and all that, but you need to get a job. You need to make some of yourself. You need to apply yourself, da 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 Not always, but I'm just giving these examples, right? So when you don't have a father, though, what that means is that you don't really have an identity because identity comes from the father. That's why when a, when a, when a man marries a woman, that woman is supposed to take his last name. Because she now has joined that family line. That family line comes through the father. And that's where the identity comes from. The word father actually means source. 
That's one of the, the, the definitions of father. It means source. So when you don't have a father in the home, you don't really have a source. And this is understated. I say it probably at least once a month, once every two months, but it's still understated. I can't understate it enough. I'm be honest with you. I think it's pretty much the worst problem that we have in society today is the lack of strong men and the lack of fathers and specifically their connection to Jesus Christ. Because once again, if you connected to Jesus Christ, you can't just leave your family like that. You're going to have c c conviction. You know what I mean? I know she get on your nerves, but <laughs> but you have a kid to take care of. And if you're one of these guys that has abandoned your children, you're going to answer for that on Judgment Day. So my point is that when you don't have an identity, then you begin to take on these things and it beco becomes fashionable to you. And then you begin to live it. There's kids in the suburbs that begin to live this stuff because they take it on and they don't have somebody to curb that fantasy. And so they, they, they let that fantasy become reality and then it becomes like a cancer. It becomes something that spreads like, you know, all this glorification of killing and drugs and sipping lean and whatever other drugs they're doing now and all this, uh, you know, misogyny and not treating women with any respect and just treating them like, like, I'm trying to think of a nice word, <laughs> just treating them like people to have sex with and just, just forget about later. All of that stuff is like a cancer. And I personally believe that because we having this conversation about black people, that if you are a black person who is not subject to these conditions, those of us who are, are fortunate enough to not have to endure this type of stuff, uh, we need to reject the foolishness. I know it's entertaining. I know the beats are nice. I know you think it's harmless. You think it's entertainment, but it's fueling the problem. It's fueling the problem. These kids in Chicago, these young men and women in Chicago shooting each other like it's a game. They doing the same thing in DC, like it's a game, literally like it's a video game. They think that they're going to shoot somebody and they're going to respond like they playing Call of Duty. And then when they do shoot and kill somebody, this is another lesson for another day, another solid talk. There's glory in the death. You become more popular when you die. You, you become immortalized. They put your name on a t-shirt and then they say, long live such and such. Long live. The fact of the matter is, if they didn't know Jesus Christ, they're, they're, they're eternally separated from God. And unfortunately, if they did not get saved before they died, they're going to be burning in the lake of fire for all of eternity, according to this Bible. So we got to get out of this mindset of believing that it's just a game and, and just thinking that because somebody lived a hard life, that automatically means that like they're just absolved of, of everything. Like they didn't get saved. And then God said, I know you kind of came up rough and you got like four bodies while you were here, but I know it was just hard for you. So, so I'm going to just give you a pass. That's not what's happening because the scripture says, paraphrasing, just as one man sinned and was the reason why every other man is subject to sin, there's one man who lived a sinless life, which is Jesus Christ. So that first man was Adam, but then you have the second Adam, so to speak, which is Jesus Christ. And because of what that one man did, now every other man has the opportunity to receive him. So you have to take advantage of that opportunity, regardless of what you go through. And unfortunately, a lot of more likely than not, we see more people on a broad way to destruction than we see on a narrow way, which reads, which leads to life.
So I want to go to Genesis chapter three real, real quick. I want to talk about personal accountability. I probably got into a little trouble tonight. We'll, we'll find out afterwards. Uh, I haven't, forgive me, I haven't even been able to get to the comments. But Genesis chapter three, we know the story of Adam and Eve. What I want to focus on is how they responded. Okay, let's start from verse seven. Genesis chapter three, verse seven. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So they know they were wrong. The first thing they did was they hid. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11, and he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, now listen, okay, so we heard the question that the Lord just asked him in verse 11. He said, have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat from or from which I told you not to eat? This is his response. Verse 12, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me. She gave me of the tree and I did eat. So notice now, Adam gives his, re his answer with a caveat. He gives his answer with a disclaimer. The first words out of his mouth, he says, the woman that you gave me, he doesn't have any personal accountability. Look at what happens next. Verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent... So, so look at that question. So then God turns to the woman. He asks her, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. So it's never, it's never just, you know, answering the question straight up. It, it, notice how it always starts with somebody else. Adam, what would what, what, you do? The woman. Okay. Eve, what'd you do? The serpent. Man's problem since the beginning of creation of man's existence on this earth has been personal accountability regardless of what color you are it has always been personal accountability that's why in order for us to be saved god requires us to confess notice you have to have faith you have to be baptized if you're able and you have to have uh, you have to confess that you are a sinner so that Jesus can, so that God can forgive you for your sins and you can receive the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is this. There have been things that have happened, lots of things that have happened to the black experience in this country. There are things, you can say there are things that are, that you know, whatever the case may be, happening, whatever you want to say it. But for there to be any change, it's going to start with you. And what you have to do is get with God. It's not going to be something that somebody else is going to solve. I just can't. I mean, I'm not going to. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, let me not get into too much trouble tonight. <laughs> As a man, I can't see myself groveling to some other man to solve my issues. Now, I don't want to just like say that because I've not been a slave 
I've not been through the civil rights movement or Jim Crow or anything like that. So I don't mean any disrespect to men that have come before me that might have did that. But just based upon how I feel and just how I believe a man should be, I just believe that men have to solve their own problems. And this is one of the consequences of this veneration of the mother goddess that we see so much in the black community where so many of the families are matriarchal that we respond in a matriarchal way. We, we respond in a womanly way. As a man, I'd rather you just kill me or I'd rather I just die for what I'm trying to fight for than for me to just be like groveling and complaining. Specifically, specifically now i could see maybe like i said the time before me where there was no opportunity you know they didn't even want you to learn how to read and all that. okay i'll make an exception for that but in 2020 in 2020 <laughs> when there's so much opportunity there's so much opportunity you literally can learn anything on youtube you literally can get on instagram create a free instagram account put up a bunch of pictures of whatever you try whatever job you're trying to do friend of a gazillion people maybe 25 percent of them respond you got you got a quarter of a zillion people following your instagram and if you put forth a product that they want guess what they're gonna buy it you can be an entrepreneur you you can be a whole bunch of stuff i've lived 36 years in this life and i can say from personal experience with specifically relating to black people a person's success in this country typically has been a, a product of what they have done with the effort that they put forth. Let me say it that way. Those that kind of goofed off in class was always on joke time, always fighting, always not paying attention. Teacher had to write them up with the conduct sheet every week. A lot of those guys I know are in jail. Um, a, a couple of them guys have killed people and they're doing life. Typically the people that, went to school, did their homework, did what they were supposed to do, act like they had an ounce of sense. Most of those people amounted to something. There was no fictitious boogie, boogie white man that was stopping someone from, you know what I'm saying, from making something of yourself. Now, I know how power works. I know that in a, in a lot of these organizations, there's office politics and, and all of these different type of things. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't exist. But what I'm saying is that what I have found personally if you just simply apply yourself specifically relating to God, because the scripture says promotion is not from the east or the west or the south, but it's of the Lord. Promotion comes from God. If you get connected to God, he can make a way out of no way. He can he can he can open up doors that no man can open. I've seen him do it real time. Technically, when I didn't even know God, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like sometimes I wonder because I got baptized around 11 or 12. I think I was 11. And I recall at 11 actually knowing what I was doing. So a part of me feels like I didn't really come to know the Lord until like 28. But then another part of me feels like I knew the Lord since like 11. And even though I was doing the worst possible things and I was not actually born again, you know, because of the profession of my faith, because I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart, at 11, right, um, then I was saved. Just like the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, then ye shall be saved. So I don't know which one it is, but my point is that 
it's not rocket science to this. It's stuff that the Bible teaches. He's the scriptures the, in Proverbs. It says, I went by the field of the slothful and it was all grown over with thorns and thistles and, and all of this different type of stuff. These guys are, are not, they're willing to work, but they're gravitating toward the glory, vain glory. They're gravitating. See, it's, it's like you get clowned for working a nine to five, which is just so weird to me. Um, but somehow the demoralization has has become so it's permeated so strong that even if you try to make something of yourself, people look at that like like you're a lame because I guess I guess because you work for somebody else, you know, um, I don't get it, you know, and, and to me, if you too prideful to work with somebody else, that's not a, to work for somebody else. That's not an issue of socioeconomics that's an issue of pride that you have in your heart where because you just feel like you're too good to you know work somewhere and move yourself up the ladder and once again if you feel that way just become an entrepreneur you know find something that you're great at and then market it to people if you look it up indians uh not not native americans but actual indian americans i believe if i'm not mistaken they have the highest household income of any people group in this country so a country that's supposed to be systematically racist in favor of white people indians bring in i believe i saw on wikipedia it's like a hundred and thirty five thousand dollars per household or on average or it was like a hundred thousand it's definitely over a hundred thousand dollars how is that it's because they found a skill and they excelled in that skill and they marketed that skill and they conduct themselves with professionalism. They don't have the time, you know, at my jobs, most of the IT people have been in, uh, you know, a lot of the IT people have been Indian guys. They don't even quote unquote talk white. They, a lot of them have thick Indian accents. I don't even, I don't mean this uh, as any type of disrespect, but sometimes I have trouble hearing them. Like I, I can get 70 to 80, I can get about 80% of what they're saying. But my point is, they didn't even have to assimilate into like white culture. They just had to be professional, have a skill and do the job. A lot of them, uh, the reason why they make so much is because a lot of Indians tend, you tend to find them in IT and medical, two things that ain't going away for a long time. Medical ain't going to ever go away. And we might as well say IT is probably not going to ever go away. If anything is going to continue to evolve. So I say all of that to say, don't be like Adam and Eve, who, when you have a problem, yes, you have a problem. Yes, the serpent came to you and beguiled you. Yes, that did happen. Yes, it happened. But your solution is not about the serpent. Your solution is between you and God. God is not concerned about the fact that the serpent came and beguiled you or that the woman gave it to you. He's concerned about the fact, did you do it? Okay, you, you, you killed three people. You got three bodies. Yeah, man, but it was just hard growing up, and man, they 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 jumped me when I was in. They jumped me into the gang when I was twelve years old, man. Nine anos. Okay, that's not what I asked you. Did you kill the three people? Yes or no? Don't don't. <laughs> I don't want to hear about the serpent beguiled me. I don't want to hear about the woman that you gave me. Answer the question. That's what folks have to understand. So what I want to do? It's already nine oh six. I don't know. What do y'all think? Should I open up the lines or not? Because it's already 9.06. I can go to about 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock. 
But I guess in the meantime, I'll read some comments. So like I said, I might get into a little trouble tonight, but we'll we'll find out in a second. Um, sometimes you need tough love because the the solution you cannot have a solution until you properly diagnose the problem. And this is a diagnosis of the problem. The problem is a lack of morals and values. The problem is demoralization. The solution is remoralization. So I titled this open season for black people. What do I mean by that? And I wish I had said this earlier because we like an hour in. <laughs> it's open season, meaning not anything about the police going around killing black people and all of that stuff. It's open season for getting connected to the Lord. It's open season for taking advantage of the laws and privileges that we have in this country and leveraging them for your benefit while we still have them. It's open season for that. It's open season for that. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that if there's going to be any hope at all, that's what it's going to start from. That's the open season. Yes, you've been smacked in the back of the head for the past 75 days. I understand. But if anything is going to change, while they're supposedly not smacking you in the back of the head, take advantage of it. This is your chance to pay attention. This is your chance to um, to, uh, to 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 have success. And if it turns out that they see your success and then they try to smack you in the back of the head again, that's an indictment on them. But what happens is you lose the privilege of being able to claim victimhood when you don't conduct yourself with values because some people see it as as this big systematic thing but a lot of people if i'm being honest with you they see it as irrational they're looking at it like okay wait a minute so this guy in the past he he got arrested for saying he's going to shoot a woman you know he did all these other crimes he literally rapped about the police he comes at him with a knife and then who does that and then he gets killed and for some reason people are upset most people like some of them know that you've been smacked in the back of the head for 75 years and some of them don't but either way they're still looking at it like okay why are you acting in this way and they look at it like it's a you thing it's up to you to show whether it's a you thing or not because if you conduct yourself like it's a you thing then it will be a you thing but if we elevate then now the ball's in their court. So what am I really saying with that? What I'm really saying is that don't give, this is what I'm saying. You don't have to have money to have values. You can be poor and have values and work ethic. You can come from the worst conditions, but you can still have morals and God will exalt that. And a lot of the, 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 the issue goes back to what I said about Daniel and the king, how Daniel did not idolize the king. He didn't want what the king had. All he wanted was his relationship with God. And because of that, God exalted him. God resists the prideful, but gives grace to the humble. So when you see what somebody else has, and then you want that, that becomes covetousness. And there's a spirit of covetousness that is impacting a lot of people. And because we have a conversation about black people, it's, they, it's like, you always see, okay, these people have always had this, always had that, da, da, and then you want that. So the moment you get just a little bit of money, you're getting like $100,000 worth of chains and diamonds and, you know, a Ferrari and all of that stuff because you want, you idolizing the the king, right? If If you want to call white supremacy a king, you're idolizing that. 
you're idolizing that. And because of that, you're continually chasing that at the expense of morals and values. And that's the bait that we can't take. We cannot take that bait because there's no fruit in that. And what I want to say about that is what is the quest? What is the quest to be the hog on the hill? Because the last time I read the Bible, it said the meek shall inherit the earth. The last time I read the Bible, it said the last shall be first. So what's really happening is a lot of people are no diff- a lot of people who are oppressed are really no different from the people that are doing the oppressing. It's just a matter of they're just not in a position to do it. But the true wealth that we can have is the wealth of knowing God and the power of his resurrection. If we know the Lord and the power of his resurrection, that's the true wealth that we can really have. Let me see if y'all told me open the lines or not. I don't know if y'all answered it or not. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Spare the rod is another one. I, I agree about sparing the rod because the Bible says to do that. But I I also believe that this the father thing is what has to happen. Now, if you just find yourself in a position where, you know, your kid's father is not around or something, it just means you have to go to God direct. You know, God will make atonement for that. But the main purpose or the main point rather is um, this this fatherlessness is a cancer. And then now now some of the fathers are starting to step up. But if the fathers are demoralized themselves, then what, what good does it really do? Some of these, you know, quote unquote fathers, they have the kid and they got the kid throwing up gang symbols and he like three years old. And he know the right. I saw one video, a kid. I don't know if it was a father who was filming it. It could have been a mother. I, I don't know. But anyway, the kid was rapping all the words to some drill song and who that kid probably didn't even know his his one plus one you know what i mean why are we training up the kids in this way that's the that that's what i mean by demoralization okay yes these things have happened but it cannot demoralize you so there has to be a re-moralization that takes place there's open season for remoralization. my close friends my closest friends are black men they're not all saved, but they all have job. Practically everybody I know has a job. With maybe maybe the exception of like one person, I think I'm not sure. She even has she even is um selling logos, so she has a job. Now that I think about it, but she has like three small kids. And then there's one one young man around my way. He was working at uh Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not sure if I mean I'm sorry, Krispy Kreme Donuts. I'm not sure if he has a job now or not. But my point is like if you want opportunity is here of course you don't want to work at Krispy Kreme for the rest of your life but the point is that you go there you apply yourself you work hard you make connections you focus on developing a skill on the side maybe you make enough money to go to school and and cultivate that trade maybe you take the money that you made and you invest in an LLC or some sort of business you know my point is that everybody starts from a place but you've got to start and if you just sit back and wither away, there's no fruit in that. And if you go to the person that's allegedly oppressing you, there's no fruit in that either. So I know I haven't even read the comments yet, but I know that this is one of those polarizing type topics. But that's what I believe I read, I got from the Lord is um, demoralization and remoralization. You know, hopelessness, when you see hopelessness, um, it can demoralize people. 
and it, 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 it's a few other things I could say. I'll save it for another day. Actually, let me let me look this up real quick. Hold on, real quick. I wanna um, I wanna talk about this. Uh, there was something that the Smithsonian put out this year. They've actually taken it off of their website now, but before they took it off of their website, they had it up, and it was talking about white culture and whiteness. So even though they took it off of their website, it's it's well documented all over the internet. So I want to read this chart that the Smithsonian, which I'm pretty sure is taxpayer funded. Uh, why they got it like this, broken up like that? I'm pretty sure that they're taxpayer funded, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they put this thing out, and I'm going to read it. And the reason why I'm reading this is because I want to I want to point out this defeatist mindset that doesn't get anybody anywhere. So uh matter of fact, this is more, this is, this is like this. Um, this is like not taking personal accountability to the max. Now this thing says talking, talking about race. This is from the national museum of African American history and culture aspects and assumptions of whiteness and white culture in the United States. Now I'm going to read this definition in the beginning white dominant culture or whiteness refers to the way white people and their traditions attitudes and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the united states and since white people still hold most of the institutional power in america we have all internalized some aspects of white culture including people of color. So basically what they're saying is this, because white people are the dominant culture, the way that they live is the way that all of us have been conditioned to live, whether it be on a conscious or subconscious level. And these things that I'm about to read or that they put on this sheet, these are, these are the things that are, that, that are white that we think are normal, but they're really just white. Now I want us to listen to this. Okay, the first, so this is by category. The first one is rugged individualism. The individual is the primary unit, self-reliance, independence and autonomy, highly valued and rewarded. Individuals assumed to be in control of their environment. Quote, you get what you deserve. The next section is family structure. The nuclear family, father, mother, 2.3 2.3 children is the ideal social unit. Okay. So now it's apparently it's white to have a father and a mother and children. Okay. You, you, you know, you thought this was normal the whole time, but really that's just a product of whiteness. Okay. You don't really have to do that. Now, before I even continue this list, I, I, I get the concept of what they, what they were trying to do here. Cause they took it down. I get the concept of what they were trying to do to, to say like, Some of the stuff you think is normal, but you don't have to live this way. My issue is that a lot of this is is stuff from the Bible. Okay, a a nuclear family is biblical. Look at this next one. Husband is the breadwinner and head of household. That's biblical. That's not white. That's biblical. And by the way, biblical is no race. But if you want to attribute biblical to a race, it would be Jewish, not not white per se. Even though I guess some people say Jews are white and some people say Jews are black. But my point is, it's Jewish. But anyway, wife is homemaker and subordinate to the husband. 
Somebody ain't going to like this, but that's biblical. <laughs> you know, uh, the husband is the head of the wife. It says that in Ephesians chapter five, I believe. Children should have own rooms be independent. Okay, I don't even know one way or the other. Okay, listen to this one. Emphasis on scientific method. Objective, rational, linear thinking. So what they're saying is if you use objective thought and if you use ration or rationale and if you use lineal thinking, that is white. That's that's not necessarily normal. That's just a product of whiteness. This explains so much that I've wondered about in like the last probably five years. Why people think don't think with any type of objectivity or rational thinking. And now I know it's because apparently you don't have to. That's just white. You know, you learn something new every day. Cause and effect relationships. So if you think that like the Bible says, what you sow, you shall reap, which is cause and effect. That's white. That's not Bible. That's white. Okay. According to this thing, quantitative emphasis. Okay. How about this one? History based on Northern European immigrants experience in the United States. Heavy focus on the British Empire. The primacy of Western Greek, Roman and Judeo-Christian tradition. Okay. I agree with that. that there is a... Um, precedent on that's that's what we call history right it's basically the history of this country even though we literally have a black history month and because i work in a federal government i also know that we have a month for practically every other history group in the united states and we have an or and uh, a presentation assembly available for each month indian history month asian pacific and islander history month um Native American History Month, LGBT History Month, you know, but according to this thing, we only focus on white or Judeo-Christian history. How about this one? Protestant work ethic. Listen to these now. <laughs> Sorry, this stuff, you can't make this stuff up. Hard work is the key to success. So if I think that working hard can achieve success, apparently that's that's not just the truth. Oh, that's not truth, rather. That's just a white concept. That's just whiteness. But that doesn't necessarily have to be the truth. But my issue with that is that's not what the Bible teaches. All of the Proverbs talk about, well, not all, but all throughout the Proverbs talk about work ethic. Work before play, okay? That's a white construct, according to this. If you don't, excuse me, quote, if you didn't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. Okay, maybe, you know. Okay, religion. Christianity is the norm. Anything other than Judeo-Christian tradition is foreign. No tolerance for deviation from single God concept. So now we see what's fueling a lot of the other bullet points that we see on this list. How about this one? I'm almost done with this. Status and excuse me, status, power and authority. Wealth equals worth. Okay, I don't agree with that. Your job is who you are. Okay. White people do be like real heavy on their jobs sometimes. <laughs> respect authority. Why is that a white concept? Why is respecting authority just a product of whiteness? And more importantly, as I'm asking these questions, like why is this whiteness? The other real question is, what are they trying to say about blackness? See, we got to look at it from both sides. They're saying, okay, 
if you work hard and you respect authority, you're being white. So conversely, what I can infer is that being black, does that mean I'm doing the opposite? Maybe not necessarily. Does that mean that I'm excused? Am I now excused from respecting authority? Am I now excused from working hard to get an outcome or being a, a Christian? So some of this is making sense. You know, what the, the authority comes from the father, comes from God through Christ, through the father, through the mother and through the children. So if you break that chain, you, you will have a disregard for authority. How about this one? Heavy value on ownership of goods, space and property. Yeah, if I work for something, I, yeah, I value it and it's mine <laughs> and I don't want you on it unless I invite you. Why, why is this? Why does this have to be white? Why is this just normal? And, and amazingly, what they would tell me is I only think it's normal because <laughs> because I'm in this white culture and that's what they've conditioned me to think. You don't really have to work hard and respect authority. That's just what whiteness has taught you to think. This stuff is ridiculous, man. Future orientation. Plan for future. Why is that white? Delayed gratification. Why is that white? Progress is always best. Why? <laughs> anyway, tomorrow will be better. Okay, whatever. Who knows? Okay, time. Follow rigid time schedules. <laughs> I'm a, I'll say something about that in a second. Time viewed as a commodity. It is. <sighs> Aesthetics. Based on European culture. Steak and potatoes. Bland is best. Woman's beauty is based on blonde, thin Barbie. Man's attractiveness based on economic status, power, and intellect. Okay, yeah, that's whiteness and that's what's in the media, but I don't believe that. You know, God bless you if you are blonde, thin, and Barbie, but that's not what I want. I don't want Bobby. I want me some Keisha, okay? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't even want Keisha. I want some, some La Keisha, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think that their standard of beauty has to be the best. I don't even think their hair is the best. I like natural hair, you know? I like to be able to run my fingers through the hair and, and massage the woman's scalp and stuff like that. Not even like a sexual thing. I literally just, you know, I just like that. Um, I don't think bland is best, you know, and I, and, and I don't think everybody thinks that I like some, I want some macaroni and cheese. Okay. I, I don't know how they came up with this list. Man's attractiveness based on economic status, power, intellect. I don't even think that's white. I think that's just general. Men with money tend to attract women, regardless of what your race or creed is. Holidays, based on Christian religions, based on white history and male leaders. Justice, based on English common law, protect property and entitlements. Why wouldn't you? Intent counts. Competition, be number one, win at all costs, winner-loser dichotomy, action-oriented, master and control nature, must always do something about a situation. Why wouldn't you? aggressiveness and extroversion decision making majority rules Commun excuse me communication this is the last section the king's english rules written tradition avoid conflict and intimacy don't show emotion don't discuss personal life be polite so that list was once again from the national museum of african american history and culture and we see what it's saying about whiteness but for the conversation we're having tonight, once again, what is this saying about blackness? Okay. D these type of thoughts are limiting. This is like putting yourself in a prison. If, if you agree with this thing, because now if I work hard, that's just me being white. 
And as a black person, you might see this growing up. You see somebody that speaks proper English and you might have heard them. You might hear you may not hear it as much these days, but there was a time where a black kid look at another black kid and they'd be like, you're talking white. You know, you're talking white as if it's like, no, you ain't necessarily talking white. You're just speaking English. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, I, I even said that about somebody in sixth grade. I was like, you talk white. I was like, one of my friends, Emmanuel, we was enemies in sixth grade and we became friends in seventh grade. Um, but I had that ignorant mindset because when I heard him speak, he sounded, quote unquote, more white than um, I thought he was supposed to sound when he simply was just speaking English. And that's how he talks. So this stuff is ridiculous. It is flat out ridiculous. Um, it's already 930. I'm just going to go midway through. I'm not going to start at the beginning of the comments. I'm going to start toward the end because I don't want us to be on here too long. I want to start from something Brittany C says. The media helps to encourage this sinful pattern of thinking and living. Absolutely. It's the media. It's the media. Like I said, the media push agendas and you got to unplug. I, we're not supposed to hate other people and I don't hate a person, but I hate the media. It's, it's like I hate the media almost more than anything because I, I personally, I consider the media the devil, you know. And I said something in a solid talk one time and somebody was like, um, what you doing? This is media. Okay. This is, this is, I don't have the machine. I'm not a part of the machine of the media. The media itself is the liberal media, which is a machine. It's a machine. I'm not a part of that machine. I'm actually against that machine. Now there will come a day where if I speak too much truth, that machine will shut me down. You know, it won't shut me down, but it might shut this channel down because that's just how the machine works. And we see that censorship happening with a lot of other channels anyway. BSP says, God is a God of order. Yeah, I learned the hard way because I was not taught the word until I read it for myself at 40 years old. Praise the Lord. Brother Joseph says, serving the God of Kappa, Omega, Sigma, Masonry, etc hinders true fellowship with the one and true god i agree and i'm gonna say this about daniel that i wish i had said a little bit earlier daniel also was not interested in serving the king's gods or god if you notice all throughout the experience of the hebrew boys they always kept their allegiance to god of Ab of abraham isaac and, Z and jacob <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they always served him and they always gave him glory. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't worried about the Babylonians. They could have cared less about the Babylonians, their oppressors. They didn't see the, the Babylonians as superior to them. Knowing Jewish culture, they probably considered them unclean. They probably actually thought that they were superior. But, you know, if they really knew the Lord, they probably had some humility. So they probably. I don't know what they thought, but what I do know is that they didn't see the Babylonians and the kings like they were better than them. And I think that nobody should just see another, no people group should just see another people group as better because God has given everybody something to contribute to this world. And it's just a matter of you getting to God and finding out what is my contribution? What is my contribution? As I said earlier, there are black lawyers, doctors. We had a black president, um, black politicians. Black people have, have made strides in every field.
failed in this country. And you can see that. The problem is that when you are chasing the bag, it's not even about, you know, you, put it this way. The rappers and the athletes, they make the loudest noise. So that's what people tend to gravitate to. And a lot of these people with this limited mentality, they don't think that they can be anything other than a rapper, an athlete, or a dope boy. And who, why would you, why, why do you feel limited in that way? Like, you take those chains off of your mind. You can be so much more than that. You can be, you can be, I don't like saying you can be anything you put your mind to. I don't personally believe that. <laughs> but, but what I do honestly believe is that um, you can make a contribution and you can be who God called you to be. That I do know. That I do know. So all I can say is if God has freed your mind enough to, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If God has freed you, or somebody said open the lines. I, oh, it's 935. I'm going to open the lines for like 10 minutes. And if don't nobody call in, we, we can close them. We can always do a part two, which I, anyway, 202-738-1686. I'm definitely, I, I, I ain't going to make a vow. I was about to say I'm not going past 10, but I'm not going to say that because I'm not going to make a vow. Anyway. Brittany C. says, a lot of my old high school and middle school friends are riding the BLM and Antichrist spirits train. Yeah. BC says, Nigerian immigrants have the highest income. See, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. I've heard. I don't, well, no, I'm not, I ain't even going to get into that. I was about to say something. Let me just shut up. But yeah, uh, Africans come over and do well. Almost every culture that immigrates in here does well because they see this as the land of opportunity where they come from they actually do have real limitations depending on where they come from and they see america is like this okay this is the place where i can just go and if i apply myself I, i'm gonna make something of myself you know like jamaicans they come here they got a work ethic the caribbeans they come they're black they have work ethic they have an entrepreneurial spirit and they do really well they look, I be eating that jerk chicken, man, and I love it. They do really well. So there's no limitation of your skin color. You just got to work the system. Work the system. People got mad at Donald Trump because he ain't pay a lot of taxes or something like that. Who can't work the system? Work, figure out. Work it. We, we got the internet. You can find out anything. Joseph says, Antoine Fisher, good example of a young man who overcame his challenges. Old movie, but good message. That was a great movie, Brother Joseph. I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, Brittany C. says, Proverbs twenty three fourteen. you shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell. Referring to uh, uh, discipline in children. Absolutely. Chosen to heal by God says, oh, keep going. Okay, praise the Lord. This uh, they say that's why Hollywood and the media glorifies men dressing like women and vice versa. Absolutely. You know, I, I understand, you know, some folks might not agree. I understand. But, hey, I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is if you want to see change, you got to you got to do something different. If you want to see change, you have to do something different. Marsha G says, I got to oh, got to catch a replay. Da, 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 da. Cool. OK. Oops. Man, I don't know if I'm making it till 10, y'all. Your brother's struggling right there. Yeah, the media is a false prophet. I agree. Patricia Joseph says, LOL, I've been called an Oreo, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, Sister Patricia, it's like it's like in that limited mindset, we equate white with success. 
and because of that like if you if if a person in that in that slave mindset sees another person trying to be successful they equate that as being white i don't equate success with white i equate success with success actually i equate success with god but even on a practical level those people that are successful in the workplace and stuff like that who don't even know god i equate success with success you know you were just successful and nothing to do with your skin color somebody just said west nigerians are the highest average income in this country i gotta look that up but if that's true that should tell you something now this is what i will say uh if a person is ambitious enough to come to America and work, you are kind of getting maybe the cream of the crop of that country. <laughs> so that being said, it would make sense that they would excel. You know, um, Africans excel academically. Asians excel academically. Indians excel academically. You know, statistically speaking, I know it's not the I'm not saying all, but I'm saying like if you look at the test scores and stuff like that yeah satan is the prince and power of the air praise the lord h graham mcpherson says blessings thank god for using you in this discussion the spirit has been riding me at work as i've noticed a lot of quote unconscious bias i'm asking god to increase my fruit i just believe that when we meet people we just have to meet people and learn them you know, I, I'm going to be real with you, H. Graham. I believe in, so the word, how can I, let me say this the right way. Maybe I shouldn't say it at all. I'm going to use this, I'm going to use it like this, okay? I'm going to give, I'm going to give an example. I ain't got nothing to do with no people or anything. If I see, if I'm walking down the street, now this has happened. I'm going to give you a real story. Since I got quarantine fat, I try to get out and start walking. So I will walk in the neighborhood. Now, some people have dogs in my neighborhood and a lot of times the dogs uh, will they'll be in the yard but they'll like bark at you some of them will even run up to you so i try to do a dog free walk and i try to look for a route that doesn't have any dogs and i thought i had found success so i was going on my dog free walk and i i was walking and then i saw a a pit bull that was sitting on somebody's porch that did not have a leash on it so even though my plan was to go all the way down the street, my plans had changed. And the reason why <laughs> the reason why my plans changed is because I saw that pit bull. So e I did an easy 180. I was walking fast. I was power walking, but I was walking faster when I turned around than I was when I went the other way. Now, had I seen a poodle, okay, I probably would have just kept walking. Even if that poodle, you know, attack me or something like that i could probably just kick them off and let that be that the reason why i respond that way to the pit bull is because our brains are registered to process association and one of the reasons is so that we can make wise decisions so if i've seen x y and z then i know that i won't do a b and c so when you talk about unconscious bias, this is a very fine line to walk because on the one hand, I agree that when you meet a person, it's good to learn that person. But on the other hand, I also agree <laughs> that uh, our minds were designed a certain way for a certain reason. You know, if I see, if, if I got on the all red, 
and I'm in Compton and I walk down the street and I see a bunch of guys in blue rags. I'm not going to, you know, they could, they don't even got to be black. They can be Latino. They could be white. But if I'm in Compton and I just forgot I was in Compton and wore a red hat and then I see like 10 dudes with all blue bandanas on, just like that pit bull, I'm going to turn and I'm going to walk the other way. And, you know, what this whole unconscious bias thing will kind of say is, well, you need you, you can't judge them. You have to get to know them. Sometimes you don't have time. <laughs> I'm not taking them type of risks. I'm not taking them type of chances. You know what I mean? I value my life. So listen, if I was wrong, Lord, forgive me for judging them folks. But there's a reason why. The challenge is, once again, the media gives us a lot of the imagery and fuels a lot of the stuff that we believe. So there's a lot of gray area with that whole concept of unconscious bias. You know, I get that people want to be politically correct, but I also get that you can have common sense too. So uh, unconscious bias works for and against people. There's a lot of times where it's used wrong, but then there's also sometimes where it's used right. You know, and that's why I think exposure is important. Exposure to other people is important all the way around. You know, they got all these reality TV shows. i tell you what I would really like to see. I want to see a reality TV show where, and maybe this was the real world, but maybe not. I can't remember. You get, like, people from all walks of life, like like a dude from Chicago from O Block and some redneck from down in some place you never heard of in Tennessee. And, some, and I use the word redneck. That's what they call themselves, okay? So I don't want to offend nobody, but... I'm trying to convey an image, an image, you know, some valley girl from Beverly Hills and some aristocrat and some, you know, just all walks of life. And then put all of those people in the same house and let them have conversations. Let them get to know one another and see where they're coming from. I want to see that, but they probably won't show you that because that that's just as my mother would say, that's too much like right. <laughs> That's too much like right. And if they did do it, it'd be a lot of drama now. Some of the drama would be natural. That's probably why I want to see it. But a lot of it, they would they would manufacture it. Yeah. So, yeah, appearance creates perception. Maybe you can say it that way. But, not you know, people aren't cookie cutter. You know what I mean? People are different because it, it hinders, it hinders, it hinders others when everybody kind of lumps everybody together. And that's why I say, speaking about this black issue, I personally believe black people that have sense about them need to reject the nonsense, you know, because as long as you endorse the nonsense, you're complicit. Just like they say, if a white person doesn't call out racism, they're complicit. Complicit. I believe if somebody doesn't call out ignorance, they're complicit in it as well because you're glorifying the same thing, you know. And I used to do that. I used to be that person who um, supposedly hated black on black crime and, you know, you know, I used to be a, a little bit of a social justice warrior myself, but I was still listening to the same music that was getting people shot and killed. So go figure. But listen, family, I think it's been 10 minutes. I didn't get a call, so I'm going to shut it down because otherwise we're going to be on here for a long time. But I thank y'all for hanging out with me tonight. God is good. Um, yeah, maybe agree, maybe disagree. Uh, that's kind of where I am with it. And hopefully I delivered it in love. But just to recap, uh, things have been done to black people in this country. Very demoralizing things to create hopelessness 
but more specific and more specifically to create a lack of values. The only solution to this problem, I'm not saying the problem didn't exist. I'm not saying it didn't happen. What I'm saying is that the only solution to this problem is remoralization through Jesus Christ. Living by the principles of this Bible is the solution. So that's all I have in this Solid Talk family. I thank y'all for hanging out with me. This has been a long Solid Talk, uh, but God is good. With that being said, you all have a blessed day and weekend, a blessed night and weekend. You all take care. This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud and Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check. If from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. I keep it solid, I'm dropping knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, just like you done went to college. Devil know we working, his goal is to try to stop it. Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it. Controversial topics, just to keep it honest. Truth hit hard, just like it's a blunt object. Culture living godless, I can't even call it. We in the last days, Babylon is falling. Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya Let's walk and get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh, only a the Shelby say we trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next True believers, they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, then I grow we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages the blood of jesus covers all my sin and it erases i pleaded and believe it so it covers all my bases speaking out loud in depth cancel culture can't keep me in check in from beginning gotta tell us what's next true believers they can come and connect call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect try and keep my sanity amongst calamity social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity pc culture on a mission and they try to cancel me but i know jesus going to keep me covered like a canopy blood give me amnesty no i can't handle me not where i want to be but best believe i plan to be flesh wrestle against the spirit main event and slambery so i need them every day this daily weekly annually iron sharp as iron so i'm strengthened by my brethren we may not meet down here but guaranteed the link in heaven the born again and righteous are the ones he's gonna let in let's keep the faith and be amongst the saints when they step in